Welcome to Deserted. Each episode, we welcome a guest into the customs office. There, they must decide which five items they want to take with them onto the deserted island. Five items, one island. This is Deserted. Sarah Southern is a stand-up comic who performs on the London circuit. She's currently writing a show to take to the Edinburgh Fringe called Wedding Guest Extraordinaire. Also hosts a weekly podcast of the same name at WeddingGuestExtraordinaire.com, which discusses wedding planning, but from the point of view of a guest. Sarah Southern, welcome to the customs office. Thank you. You are here to get five items across my desk here. A website, a podcast, a Twitter feed, a book and a gadget or device. And dear listener, you can find links to all of these choices at desertedpodcast.com slash Sarah or in your podcast app of choice. Sarah, what is your website that you would like to take with you to the desert island? My website of choice is seat61.com, which is a website that helps you plan train travel around the world. Your choices have been given to me on the docket before we began, and I always have to vet the items here. When I first saw the website, that gave me not much. Well, I knew it was going to be transport related. And so I had to look in a little further into this. So it seems to be run by a chap called Mark Smith, and he spent some time as a station manager for Charing Cross, London Bridge and Cannon Street stations in London. And then eventually ended up working for the Department for Transport, regulating fares and ticketing on the network. And he's been doing this website since 2007 full time. Did you know that? Yeah. Amazing. Because he named it Seat 61 as that's the seat that he was in when he first took the Eurostar across to Paris when the Channel Tunnel opened. And the man is just obsessed with travelling on the train around the world. And I, too, love taking a train. Mm-hmm. And it is just the most wonderful website to lose time in. If you suddenly think, oh, God, I'd love to go to Afghanistan overland. How would I do that? And it plots out the journey. And often he has taken it, so it will have a review of what the train will look like, what first class would look like, what second class would look like, what a sleeper carriage would look like. So if you do like travelling by trains, which I love to do when I'm abroad, not so much in the United Kingdom, it's just wonderful, as you can see exactly what the bullet train is going to look like when you go from Tokyo to Kyoto. You can picture it and you can make your best decision as to what kind of ticket you should buy and where you can buy the tickets and all of those resources. So it's a great website to to lose yourself in if you're planning a big adventure, but also just to kind of inform you of all the different train routes there are around the world. And so it's kind of out of the UK that you get, you have your big interest, you would say. That's the part of the website that intrigues you the most and sort of you in. Yeah, I've travelled three continents over land. So when I was 21, I went from New York to LA over five weeks, sadly not on the train, as the train network in the States doesn't quite facilitate it if you're on a limited uh, journey time and budget. Um, I've also gone, taken the train from uh, Darwin down to Adelaide in Australia. And I've also gone from Saigon in Vietnam, right the way through Vietnam, all the way through China, through Mongolia, through Russia, and then through Scandinavia, and then took the ferry back to North Shields. So I, I do like taking an epic 
overground journey. I think it is really exciting. I'd like to do more of it. Um, so if I am going away, so I went to Japan on holiday recently, and I, of course, went on seat 61 to find the best way to book my rail pass and what trains are interesting, what what journeys would excite me whilst I'm out there. One of the reasons why he does the site, well, he came up with two. One was to inspire people to do something more rewarding with their travel rather than an airport and an aeroplane and enable people to take the train or ferry by giving confidence and know-how. So that's kind of what you've summed up, really. He absolutely does that. It's so detailed. I really enjoy the fact that someone who's got such a love for that kind of travel has just dedicated their life to it. And kind of, it's almost down to like the time that you can take a train. So it'll give you options that if you wanted to take the train to um, Istanbul, how would be the best way to do it? What train would you need to get from London? What would be the, the waiting time whatever, in yeah. Paris? Or would it be better if you went via Brussels? And I just love the kind of almost the pedantry of it, you know, like just it's so detailed. And it's just something to have escapism in. And that's what you think you're going to use it for on the desert island, just to sort of escape the scenario you find yourself in and, and sort of dream of other places. Yeah, because I don't think I want to know what's going on in the wide world. You know, I don't want to have access to things that I'm missing out on. So I think being able to research other adventures uh, would be a better use of my time and my enjoyment. It's not going to be frustrating because you don't know whether or not you're going to actually be able to do those adventures? Well, no, because I look at that site now for trips that I haven't necessarily got booked. So I often look at what trains I could take in India. I'm not going to be going to India anytime soon as I haven't got the time at the moment. But I still like to look at it and think about it and know that if I did get the opportunity to, to go, I'd be prepared. I am, I am concerned about the... Oh, yeah, that would be great to do. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Oh, oh, but I can't. I'm stuck on this desert island. There's no trains here. Well, at least we don't think so. I, so I'm slightly concerned that it's going to be a bit sort of wanderlusty and a sort of kind of, ah, but I'm trapped. Oh. But I, I like it in terms of being able to take your mind away from the situation that you find yourself in, because I think that's a, an important aspect of life on the island. Uh, you do have Wikipedia by default, so that uh, opens up some other areas so you can find out whether the mushrooms are good to eat, etc. <laughs> Mostly they're not. Seat61.com. Mm. I think I'm going to have to approve it. I think we are going to be all right with that one. So Thank you. the approve stamp comes out and we are approved on Seat61, which is Sarah's choice on the podcast. Talking about the podcast, that's what we're going to do next. And we'll also be finding out Sarah's choice of Twitter feed, which did cause some amusement in the customs office this afternoon. Podcast. What is it that you're going to listen to in your ears or out of the bizarre coconut that we have? It is the podcast Planet Money, which is produced by NPR. I think it is one of the most interesting podcasts that is out there. It's roughly about 20 minutes and it breaks down complex economic issues into very listenable and digestible ways for the average person on the street to understand. Uh, so a recent one that they did is they bought a barrel of oil and they went through the whole process of buying a barrel of oil over several episodes and who they need to speak to, how they sell it, how it would then be made into a usable form of oil. 
and they just make it simple for things that we don't really know about but have a really big impact on our lives to, to be understood. And because it's only 20 minutes, it's the kind of thing that you can listen to as you're wandering around the supermarket getting your evening shop. I had a little look on their website at npr.org slash planetmoney and they describe themselves as Imagine you could call up a friend and say, meet me at the bar and tell me what's going on with the economy. Now imagine that's actually a funny evening. That's what we're going for at Planet Money. And they do. They really do. And they're, they're really zeitgeist as well. Last week they had an episode about unusual packages that people receive that they haven't ordered. And it's this really odd thing with big distribution companies where they effectively or, or their suppliers send out very small packages to people of things that they haven't ordered. So they had this one lady on who received a key ring and um, a dog collar and all of these like random things that she'd not ordered. And it turns out it's to help their algorithm. But two weeks ago, I received in the post a dog seatbelt I was like, this is the strangest thing. I haven't ordered a dog seatbelt. I can't see where it's come from. It makes no sense. I don't have a dog. I don't have a car. So I've got nothing to seatbelt the dog into. And I was like, this is so weird. But I didn't know who to speak to to say, you've sent me this by accident because it had come from China. There was no return address on. But obviously the postage told me it had come from China. And then I listened to this episode and I was like, oh, my word, this this is why I've received the dog seatbelt, because it's of limited value. They've obviously got my address from something else that I have ordered. Mm. And it's to help with the algorithm of sales or whatever it might be. And it's just, as I say, it's just so zeitgeist in that way. They, and they often focus on things that are in the news or things that are pressing issues that people do want to know about. They seem to do about three a week. Yeah, they, they're quite regular. There's definitely always one ready for me to listen to on a Saturday morning. It's often my kind of Saturday morning walk that I listen to it on. And it launched in 2008 during the financial crisis. So it's been going 10 years now, which is good. So you don't feel again that you'd be frustrated by sort of hearing no, about stuff? No, because it feels like a podcast that teaches you things. So when they did the episode on the barrel of oil, I had no idea how oil was no. sold. I mean, obviously, I have an awareness that it is sold, but in terms of how it was extracted and the way that they sell barrels and how the price is decided. And just learning about that is very interesting. And I think the, the way that they then talk about quite zeitgeist for financial issues, it means that at least you've got a, a good awareness. And I just think having a better understanding about the most important thing, <laughs> finance, is, is really great. Planet Money, NPR podcast. Okay. We had Radiolab suggested as one of the, on the previous show. And so this is kind of staying on the American public radio scene. So Planet Money, we allowed uh, Radiolab. So I got to allow Planet Money through for Sarah Southern's choice as her podcast. NPR.org slash Planet Money. Links in the show notes at desertedpodcast.com slash Sarah or in your podcast app of choice. Well, uh, we've got an interesting one for book, but, uh, <laughs> but let's move on to Twitter feed, which is probably why you're laughing. So you can see the tweets from just one account. Which is that one account? Now, this is a very strange choice for me because I don't even follow it on my okay. own Twitter account. But this is the Twitter account that I look at if 
if I kind of just need perking up a little bit, and it's at Awards Darwin. Okay. I think it should be Darwin Awards, but someone's yeah. obviously already taken that, so it's Awards Darwin. And I just find it funny that it's got all of these little gifs and video clips of people messing up, and it just amuses me. And again, it kind of fits with that thing. I don't want to know what's going on in the world, so I didn't want to follow a news uh, or gossip Twitter or anyone telling me what's going on in the world. But I don't like to watch the ones where anyone gets hurt. Mm-hmm. I just like the funny ones or like silly signs that are, you know clearly are, are ridiculous. And it just amuses me. And I just look at it every now and then and it just makes me giggle. You mentioned one of the signs. So I was checking it out this afternoon in the customs office uh, and there was one that obviously someone had screen grabbed where it said, have you ever been in, involved in an accident which has resulted in your death? <laughs> yes or no? You see things like that? It's funny. I just find the silliness of it. Really ridiculous. But I say I don't. I scroll past the ones where I think someone's actually going to hurt themselves because I I don't like that. No. But there's ones where people just almost get killed because they've not looked properly or they're cutting a tree down and they're sitting in the wrong place and they and fall falls. off the branch. You yeah. know, and things like that where they're not going to get hurt. But it, as I say, there's there are some on there where I think, oh gosh, that's a little bit too close to the bone. But some areas felt not safe for work. We enjoyed it in the customs office. <laughs> uh, Doug thought I was going mad in the corner. So I've written down here things that will make you chuckle to yourself during the day. <laughs> um, because that's certainly how it left me after I closed down the website and I carried on chuckling as I was recalling various small gifts and things that were on the site. So the Darwin Awards are obviously the awards are given out once a year for people that do something ridiculous that results in them dying. And so I think this must be a spin-off, not quite associated with, but a spin-off. So Awards Darwin, I gave this a straight approval here um, because I thought it would uh, it would G you up in times of uh, toil definitely, and trouble. Definitely, definitely. So uh, I couldn't couldn't not approve it. So that's the Awards Darwin Twitter Thank feed, you. which did make us chuckle in the office today. Your gadget or device, which we will talk about shortly, includes the words "a really fancy." <laughs> And so we will find out what Sarah's really fancy is for the gadget or device. But first, this choice of book involved uh, the office doing a fair bit of research. And and we've learned more about this certain character than we ever knew. It can be a printed book or an e-book, but not a periodical are the rules for the customs office. Sarah, what is your choice? I actually found it quite difficult to pick the book. And in the end, I decided I needed to pick a book that I most give as a gift to people, a book that has been in my life most of my life, and a book that I, it just even thinking about it makes me feel very happy. Yeah, I can see. And that is Paddington Bear. And it's the book that my parents read to me when I was a child. So all of my nieces and nephews, all of my godchildren all of the children of people who have got any vague importance of my life have received a Paddington Bear book from me at some stage. And it it's just something that as a child I remember thinking was really funny and silly. And I just think when I'm somewhere where I'm going to be on my own, I'd rather read something that brings back memories of happiness and silliness and make me smile rather than a book I can only 
have memories that are associated with me because it's quite rare to have a book that emotes memories of other people. Mm-hmm. But because I read it with my family and I've given it to so many other people as gifts, I thought it would be a good book that would then remind me of wonderful times in my life. Wonderful times and wonderful people yeah. around you. Okay, The Complete Works of Paddington Bear, Michael Bond, is Sarah's choice. Do you have a particular favourite story or a particular favourite book that contains various stories inside? I think the... I can't remember which book it in, but there's a, a line in one of the books or there's something happening in the books where maybe they've been to the seaside or something and... Mrs. Brown is like pulling a spade out of Paddington's ear or something like there's something ridiculous like that. And my mum must have been reading it to me when I was quite a young child. And my dad must have been like dozing nearby. And I obviously kept asking for this like paragraph to be reread and reread. And I kind of remember like if my dad was ever telling a story of like us being on holiday and I'd be like, oh, and I'd have to listen to the spade being pulled out of Paddington's ear. <laughs> and it just kind of like emotes this like humorous situation of us. I can imagine us being like on a camping holiday or something like that and tipping with rain. And that would have been what would have been read to us to, to keep us quiet. Right. <laughs> it just amuses me. It first appeared, here's the research that we did today, in October 1958. And uh, Michael Bond unfortunately died in June of last year, 2017. HarperCollins now own the publishing licence. And Wikipedia lists 15 main books, with the 15th coming out on the 27th of June of 2018 to mark the anniversary of his death and also the 60th anniversary of A Bear Called Paddington was the first story a fascinating fact for you Mm -hmm. again from wikipedia so (laughs) take that with a pinch of salt did you know michael bond was also a bbc tv cameraman who worked on blue peter i did oh well i didn't know he'd worked on blue peter but i knew that he had worked at the bbc yes and he tailored a couple of stories based on his time as a cameraman in some of his later books oh that's lovely so The Complete Works of Paddington Bear. Do you have any of your old books that you did have read to you? I do. I don't have them here in my home, but they are at my mum and dad's house and they read them to my nephew who's four. Right. And so do you think you take those those originals along or...? No, I think I would leave them for them to enjoy and I would take new versions. New versions. Yeah. Okay. Ones that I don't have as much kind of sentimental attachment to. I wouldn't want them to get sandy. And do you think you will reread them or read it and then put it on the campfire? No, definitely reread. I find it very relaxing to reread things from, from my past. So I quite like rereading things I read as a teenager, like Adrian Mole. Mm-hmm. I find it very relaxing to reread Harry Potter because you just know what's going to happen. God, I sound like such a child. I do read adult books as well. <laughs> but if I just want to feel, you know, sometimes in life you just want to feel snuggled. And I think yeah, yeah. that going back to things that you've done in your past and you know that are safe and secure is quite a nice way of comforting yourself. Mm, yeah, I get it. The Complete Works of Paddington Bear, Michael Bond. It's going to be a lot of books, 15 books. We'll have to wait for that last one to come out before you go. <laughs> and in printed form, I'm assuming. Yes, Not please. in electronic form. Printed form, please. Okay. I think it's approved. We've only got one more thing to find out. Links to, well, I had a bit of trouble trying to find the complete works of Paddington Bear, but, you know, that, that it, it does kind of exist 
but I think you have to sort of make it up from a various selection of books. So then, your final item, which we ask you for a gadget or device, one item, it cannot be a computer, mobile phone, or other broadcast communications or internet access device. What is your really fancy? Okay, I would please like a really fancy digital watch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why? And the reason is um, I do comedy, so I do stand-up comedy, and you've got to be very good at measuring time to be a comedian because uh, despite comedy being a very flexible art form, it's actually very rigid in how much stage time you're allowed. So often you're only allowed a firm five minutes and then you might be allowed a firm 10 minutes or 20 minutes and then if you do a full show, an hour. And you have to be able to measure those increments of time effectively. And I'm not very effective currently at measuring (laughs) units of time. And I recently bought a digital watch that, firstly... I can't work, so sometimes the alarm just goes off, totally when I unexpect it. Uh, I don't know how to actually time five minutes on it. I can't see the digits on the screen when I'm on stage, so it's not bright enough. So ideally what I want is a one that, firstly, I can work, because I can't work the one that I have, one that perhaps vibrates at four and a half minutes so that I know I've only got 30 seconds left and I need to wrap it up. And one I can actually see on stage because there's literally no point wearing a watch if you can't see the digits no. when you're on stage. It needs to be close by because and ideally, if it can be discreet where it vibrates, I like the vibration idea. then yeah. I can know for sure how I'm doing. Because often if you're in kind of the, the full flow of performing – it is quite easy, perhaps, especially if you're having a lot of interaction with the audience to know where you're at. So if something is then physically vibrating on your wrist, then it would remind you that, you know, you're at a certain point within your story. Would you describe your current watch as really fancy? No, it is the opposite of really fancy. But you have issues with that current watch? I have tremendous issues with that current watch. I regret buying it, although I don't because it cost me £15. So I, it, didn't, it wasn't a huge outlay. And I'd imagine I'm going to give it to one of my nieces because it also is the thing that is designed for a teenager in terms yeah. of its colour and its usability. Has it got ears? No, it's, okay. just, it's just simple and blue, but okay. it's, it's not an adult watch. But are you having problems with it because you can't figure out how to work it? Because I'm concerned that if you upgrade to a a really fancy standard, that's going to be even more bonkers. No, because the cheap watch didn't come with any instructions. Okay. Whereas a fancy watch will. I ordered the cheap watch online. Okay. Whereas I would purchase the fancy watch from a shop and I would get the person behind the counter to explain it to me. Did you get a dog's seatbelt when your watch arrived? <laughs> I'm now wondering that maybe the purchase of the watch led to the dog's seatbelt. Yeah. What benefit is the digital watch going to give you on the island? Because I think I've got a lot of time to think and to write material. Therefore, I can then make sure I've got a really tight five and develop it into a ten and then get it perfectly ready for a 20 and indeed write an hour-long show. I've got a lot of time on my hands on the island, so I may as well use it to the best of my capability. And if I'm going to do it in that way, then I may as well make sure it's as professional as possible. Okay. 
And are you going to do some something where you sort of test yourself as to be talking for a minute and a half and when you look back at your watch, see whether it is a minute and a half or how much you're out? Yeah, and it is quite interesting. I think it is something that you just generally begin to pick up when you're a performer. I'm getting better at judging where five minutes is, but I'm just not quite there yet. Um, so it would be it would be good to be able to use this time to practice. I'm just a little concerned. Some people take things like pen knives and things onto the island so that they can kind of cut stuff and figure things out, open coconuts to be able to drink and stuff like that. I'm a little concerned that the digital watch is not really going to help your survival in terms of kind of basics. I'm very resourceful, though. Okay. I grew up on a farm, so I'm used to being outside. Right. I'll be able to work out what I can eat. I'll be able to fashion a way of fishing, fashion a sharp implement out of the stones that are on the island. So I don't want to waste the opportunity to enhance my timekeeping by bringing a Swiss Army knife. And I suppose if it is really fancy, it could be sort of James Bond-esque with a sort of wire coming out of the main on a watch, the crown. Exactly. It could be very beneficial in lots of different ways. It could have a compass on it. That would be handy. That could be handy, yeah. Underneath it or something, you twist it upside down. The little light might be useful to read by when the sun goes down. Really fancy digital watch. We've never had a really fancy digital watch requested on the docket. There is an element of concern, but based on your evidence that you provided, I think we're going to have to go with an approved on that, a clean slate. Brilliant, thank you. A really fancy digital watch. We can't link to that on Amazon because it's just, (laughs) we just go to the really fancy watch store. But that is Sarah's choice. So what's left for me to ask you is, do you think you're going to enjoy your time on the island or are you slightly nervous about it? I think I'll enjoy it. I I do quite like my own company, so I think I'll enjoy the serenity of it. Well, fantastic. We do hope you do enjoy yourself. Sarah, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us in the customs office and good luck. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Deserted. To listen to previous episodes, either subscribe in Apple Podcasts, your podcast app of choice, or head to desertedpodcast.com. Please leave a review on iTunes, and if you want to send a message in a bottle with feedback, or you would like to be on a future episode, send it to customs at desertedpodcast.com. 